friends. Welcome to Story U Talk Radio. I'm your host, Coach Debbie, and I'm delighted to spend this hour with you. Thank you for reserving this time to spend with me. I got something fun for you. I've been thinking about the fact that, well, you know, we're here for nearly an hour. It's something like 57 minutes or something like that. And y'alls, you seem to write to me at like minute 52. You notice that? And then we do our best to get your question answered. And then I send you a reply in the email or on Facebook. But here's, here's the thing. We've got all this time to answer questions. And when it ends up being the last four minutes of the show... Well, you only get what I got left. That's all you get. So I thought we could, every quarter, for you latecomers, I thought we could have a show that's just totally office hours. So I'm calling today's show Summer Office Hours. And I can thank the college for this idea. I worked as a college writing instructor for many, many years And we had this thing every single week. You had a certain number of office hours depending on the number of teaching hours you were giving in that that quarter or semester. So my average was five office hours a week. And what that basically meant was that my door to my office was wide open and any student with any question could come on in and sit down, and we would work together on whatever was on their mind. And I think it was sort of unspoken that if you were enrolled in a class with me, you had priority, but basically anyone at the college, even anyone not enrolled in the college that had questions could come to office hours. And so I have no priority here. I would love, love for anyone who has questions today to call them in or write them in. But if we find that we're not getting that many questions, guess what? I've been keeping track of those questions that come in at the tail end of the show or worse, after the show. We can't do much about it when those questions come after the show but today I can. So introducing Coach Debbie's Office Hours. And this is our summer edition. And if it goes well, and I expect it will, we'll do one in the fall, and we'll do one in the winter, and we'll do one in the spring. You get the idea. But don't think it's just for those tardy people from previous shows. It's for you, too. We're going to get as many questions in today as possible and as many answers available for you. So what do we do here? What do we talk about here? What can you, what can you ask me about? Anything to do with your story, writing your story, preparing a speech for your story, rebranding your story, trying to live your story, overcoming your story, dealing with your story laying down a heavy story, anything around your story, real story, fiction story, old story, new story, 
you get the idea. You can you can bend this in any way you need to to make it all fit in. Haven't heard a question yet that I didn't like. So take a risk and write to me at my Facebook page, which is Coach Debbie, or you can go to my personal Facebook page. It's Debbie Handrich. Debbie is D-E-B-B-Y. Handrich is just like it sounds. H-A-N-D-R-I-C-H. You can write to my email, and that's Debbie at CoachDebbie.com. And Debbie is D-E-B-B-Y. All right, eh? So we've got some great questions here. I'm going to just jump right in. And I will I will take yours as soon as it arrives. The sooner the better. You don't have to wait till the end of the show. So the first question is about publishing. This was from a former student of mine who wrote to me and said, I... I'm thinking about publishing my book. I understand I can basically go by way of Amazon. She told me in the letter about the sort of book she was writing. She wanted to know if that was the best deal. But at the end of the letter, she basically admitted, I don't really even know all the different ways of publishing. So let's just talk about this for a sec. It is assumed that if you self-publish, that's become a big word in the last many years, uh, as opposed to traditionally publish, that you are going to do all the work by yourself. These are the two main ways you might publish, self or traditional. Traditional are those big publishing houses, Simon & Schuster, Random House, the big ones. Now, Actually, self-publishing has a range, a big, big range of how much you need to do. We, at this point, have what I like to call, although it's not an official word, but it's just how I think of it. I think of some of the self-publishers out there as, oh my goodness, there's a drone right outside the window. I've never seen that before. Sorry, very distracting. There's this kind of publishing that I think of as sort of Cadillac. So you don't do a lot of the work. What you do is you write the book. You send the book in to be edited. And at that point, you find a smaller publisher, not a big, big house traditional, you find a smaller publisher that will do the distribution and that will help you with your branding and your marketing. That is self-publishing, but it's on the high end. If I was going to self-publish a book today, I would do it that way. And now there's some some price differences. So self-publishing at that level it can get spendy. It can. It can run you a good 10 grand. Doesn't have to. You know, if if you don't need the Cadillac version and you're willing to go for a one-year-old Lexus, still a very nice model, right? 
um, you know, that could bring you down to six grand. If you're willing to, I was going to say, you know, chintz on the editor, but don't do that. So think about this. The, the higher end level of self-publishing is going to run you five, six to 10 grand. Are, is it worth it? Yeah, because they do a lot of the heavy lifting. They figure out where to distribute your book instead of you being on the horn trying to figure out what stores are going to take you, getting them there, shipping it all, dealing with it all, printing on demand. You get the idea. Now, when you go with Amazon, used to be called Create Create Space, and now it's got another name that I don't remember. Wow, there's these things floating outside the window. I wish you could see it. It's like robot land out here. Okay, back to the show. You can you can send in your manuscript to Amazon. And basically what you're saying at that point is I trust that every word I will relinquish to Amazon to put in print in the order that I have sent every word in this manuscript. And that is basically all they do. They, they put down in print, and it, it is on demand. Books are only printed when they're ordered by people. They put down every word you wrote in the order you wrote it the way you wrote it. So if you make a boo-boo and your editor didn't catch it, it's going in. Now, this is not what I call a Cadillac service. It might be on very thin paper that Coach Debbie doesn't like. You might think it's all right. I don't like it. It it will be in the font that they choose. You might like it. I never do. I, I don't like it. But I'm not saying you can't do it. And I I really have witnessed from my own students that this is a money-saving route to go. But in my mind, and I like to live well, it's sort of the the super six, super eight hotel version, motel version. It just, it sometimes it works out. Sometimes people are real happy with it. Um, yeah, but not me because I'm fussy. So I'm willing to spend a little more or a lot more to get a high-quality product. All of this falls under self-publishing. But I'm showing you the range. In the middle are people like me. Not totally, though. People like me who have a writing business and publish your books. But I don't do it. I'm sorry. But people like me that do something in writing and have the education to publish your books. But I don't do it anymore. Sorry. So I can recommend you to people like that. They do a very nice job. And you probably need to invest at the level of about $1,500 to $3,000. They won't do distribution. They will uh, publish your book in a bulk review. 
So maybe your first run is going to be 500 books. You purchase them. You store them. They, they will likely help you a little with marketing as you get going, but that, that's about it. And, and it's a great way to go if you want to save a little money, have a good-looking book, and you want to take some responsibility for making sure that that book gets out in the world. The other gamut of publishing is traditional publishing houses. You need to have a following usually of 10,000 people in your list or more. You need to have a very public list on a wide range of social media. You usually need to have at least one published, quote, successful book to your credit. Successful means that you have sold a certain number of copies, and each traditional publishing house has a particular number that they go by. You need to have a certain number of reviews, etc. It's usually not where most of us begin, but it sure is a beautiful place to strive. Sometimes people ask me, well, isn't it about who you know? Yeah, sometimes. But instead of just waiting around to get to know, why don't you go ahead and and do some self-publishing? Except that the world has changed quite a bit regarding publishing and that there is nothing weak in self-publishing. There's nothing sloppy in choosing that route. It's more of a financial thing. And everyone, everyone writing a book now has the opportunity to put it out for the public thanks to self-publishing. And that's why, well, I could go on a whole rant about what we need to be believing and not believing, but basically everything is available. You just have to decide which route feels good for you. So that's one question that we have tackled for today. Let's move on to another one. We've just got a couple minutes here before our break, but I am taking your questions today, so don't forget to write in and let me know what's on your mind. I also got a question today while I was doing a one-on-one with a client who said, but what if I get all the way done with my book and nobody wants to buy it? This is something that comes up again and again for people. They have this idea that if they put in all this time and all this effort, that somehow it's going to lead to nothing. What I want you to do is think about the fact that you have done big things before in your life, and it always led you either right where you were headed or it led you somewhere to help you decide where you needed to go next. But I don't really think you can put that kind of energy into something and have it lead you nowhere, have it sell nothing. I, I really, I've never seen it. I've never heard about it. And, and I think just the work that I do, if somebody had written a book and they sold zero copies ever, I I think I would have heard about it. You can put faith in the fact that your desire to create something also 
creates an audience. Every single class I've written created an audience. Every single podcast I've done created an audience. Every single offer I have put out created someone inquiring. I have never sat down to create something with my very words and had zero, nothing, nada come back to me, ever. And I don't anticipate that that would be the way it is for you. I think there are some spiritual little laws at work that recognize the effort that we are putting into things. Okay, so those are just two answers to two great questions that came into my world this week. Send me your questions. I'm going to take a little break. I'll be right back. Hi, this is Marilyn Milano. If you love animals, then please check out my new show, Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. I'll be talking with rescue groups, animal advocates, and other organizations that help animals, sharing their stories, and giving our listeners some tangible ways in which they can help make a difference. That's Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Raising awareness, touching hearts, and saving animals' lives. Miss a show on KKNW? Check out 1150kknw.com for podcasts of many of our programs. That's 1150kknw.com. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. Thank you for joining me today. This is my very first open office hours session. This is my very first one. We're calling it Summer Office Hours with Coach Debbie. And it's all about just answering your questions, regardless of what question you have sent in about writing, about your stories, about rebranding, about speeches. We're not on a particular topic, just anything to do with your story, your questions. And I'm just going to let you in on the fact of where I got this idea. I got this idea because I often tell y'all that we do live coaching right here. And when do those questions come in? Uh-huh. Right at the tail end. And that means I can't always answer them all. So today I have collected them. I have some right here, but I am more than happy to answer any new ones that you have today. Just write them into my Facebook page. Do it in Messenger. Email is Debbie at CoachDebbie.com. And remember, Debbie is D-E-B-B-Y. Debbie at CoachDebbie.com. And we will get all these questions answered today. Here's a good one. This comes in from Michelle, who says, It is summer, and I promised that I would write my novel. Haven't even touched it, and we are approaching the middle of July. So much for promises. There was a time when it was easy for me to do what I said I would do, especially with writing, because I love it so much. I don't understand what has changed in the last few years. It's not like I'm the busiest person, 
but I just can't seem to get started or find my momentum. I would appreciate any support. Great, Michelle. I think you said novel. So I'm just going to approach this uh, from the fiction point of view. If you are desiring to create story with plot and characters, well, you know your imagination has to be turned on to do that. You also know you have to have a space in which you're allowed to let your imagination really flow and not get interrupted. I once saw a movie that I I can't tell you the title of it at this moment, but it was about a writer, and there's this great scene where they show all this action, all, all these characters and action and such, but what they're trying to convey is that that's what was going on in the writer's mind. And, and it was really effective to, to just catch all, you know, this field and, and it was war and it was all this stuff going on. But then they shot to the, the author sitting there at the desk writing, getting it all down on paper. You know that it, it's like throwing, you know, water on a little campfire if you're interrupted. So, Michelle, if you are having a hard time doing something like writing your novel, when there was a time when it wasn't so hard to do things like this, I'm just going to zero in on that word you chose at the end. I, I think it has something to do with momentum. When we, when we dedicate ourselves to doing something like writing a novel, and for whatever reason we stop, what happens is we're, we're stopping more than just the writing. We're, we're turning down the, the whole frequency in our mind that was open to creativity. We're, we're really turning the volume down on that. We're, we're turning away from maybe that, that calendared time that was always ours to write. So we're, we're turning down the volume on our own schedule. What I find is that when you stop something like that, you're stopping more of a regiment and a routine than you actually knew. And so this plays into your identity. And your identity is just about everything. If you have been in the groove writing, you have an identity as a writer. If you haven't been doing it for two years, you don't. It's kind of black and white. And it took you some energy to build up that momentum you can probably look into your experience and see that. And it's going to take that again. And I, I hate to say this, Michelle, but just about everyone I speak to, and in my own experience, it's true too. It's hard to build momentum after it has stopped. It's almost as if we expect to have the exact same experience that we had before. 
but we're not exactly the same person. We left behind, to some degree, an identity. And now we're building it at this point in our life. Even if it's just a few years later, things have happened to us. You've lived another maybe 1,000 days since you last wrote. You're working with the identity that you have now. And you might have to overcome that voice in your, your head that is saying that you have to try harder. What I would encourage you to do is try something new. Try new characters. Try a new plot. Try a new environment. Do new things and don't expect it to go the way it used to. Michelle, I've, I've got something I'd like to offer you. Where are you? Does it tell me here where you live? Hang on, I'm just going to tap around for a second. Oh, wow, you're down the street. Okay, you're in Bellevue, Washington. So, Michelle, here's an offer. I have just started a very, very, very fun group called Permission to Soar. Permission to Soar is a 90-day program. And what we're doing in it, we're meeting every Friday and we're getting a little teaching portal with Coach Debbie handouts, great ideas, office hours, things like that. But what we're really doing is we're saying that our story, our novel, whatever it is we want to create, that it matters and we're willing to give every day for 90 days time and attention to it. Now, this does not mean that you're going to be strapped to a chair for eight hours a day, but it does mean that you're, you're not going to go to, I don't know, Tahiti and leave your novel on the desk for a month. If you go to Tahiti, you're going to take it with you. And you're going to figure out, maybe not right away, but as you go, you're going to figure out what's the appropriate amount of time for you to really be focused on it. And the rest of the day is yours. For me, it's about an hour and a quarter. Sometimes I go a little further. But when I'm doing something on the daily for about three months at a time, I really find a good stride in about an hour and a quarter. And I have arranged my life so that it is easy to write for an hour and a quarter. What I mean by that is from 6 a.m. to about 10 a.m., I don't take clients. I don't leave the house and go grocery shopping. I don't go to work. I don't go to other places. I usually don't even have my phone on. Six to ten is a four-hour nice window where I can focus on writing my curriculum. I can focus on writing my stories. I can focus on taking, I take some really cool classes early in the morning that are based in another time zone. It works really well. If you had told me before I started, I, I don't know if I would have said I could do it. But it only took about 30 days for me to not only be in the habit of it, but I like it. And I never, 
Michelle, I never, ever, ever thought I would like getting up at six o'clock in the morning on Sundays, on holiday. No, that just was not me. And now I look forward to it because I've got this regular thing going on that feeds me. It makes me happy. It makes me happy to be with my writing. It makes me happy to go to those classes. So if you're working the good old nine to five, you might not be able to do it the same way I'm doing it. But from five until bedtime, there might be some wiggle room. I know someone who wiggles in her lunch hour because she is also a nine to fiver. But her lunch hour has become this coveted time for going across the street, out to the park, and riding. She loves it. Michelle, this is called permission to charge. We're going to look at our willingness to write. We're going to get into the habit of noticing what's in the way. We're going to develop new habits of how to focus. We're going to learn how to make quick decisions. And you are going to produce something. And you are going to be happy with the fact that you have produced something that you've been saying you want to produce, that you've been wanting to get back into the momentum of creating. It is a 90-day program. We start tomorrow. We will have some people starting a little later, but like I said, there's a teaching portal with everything there when people can begin. And it is on offer for 1500 It is a course that I used to do with more one-on-one attention, and I offered it at 4000 Now the one-on-one is a completely separate package for people. So the Friday classes plus the teaching portal is $1,500. But Michelle, I would like to give you a present. If this sounds good to you, uh, the people that were in my boot camp, they got the course for 1100 And I would like to offer you that price if that all aligns with you. I'm going to give you until today to decide, okay? So this is on offer until midnight today. You just need to reach out and say, I'm Michelle and I want that. And you got it, okay? All right. Let's move on to the next question. Let me just find it. This came in a couple weeks ago. Came in after the show was older, older, over, and I didn't, I didn't have the opportunity to to talk about it on the air. But my first thought was, I bet there's more than just this one writer going through it. Uh, this is from Kevin, who said, "Story is something that I hold dear, especially the story." of myself and my wife. What I find is that I do not always have the will to write things down because while we have been through some of the most beautiful stories, we have had some dear, we have had some dear, what is this word? I don't know. Something. We've had losses is basically what Kevin is getting to. It is my fear that sometimes when I go into storytelling, whether I'm just talking with people or writing them down, that I won't be able to finish 
because some of them are so poignant. But I am really open-minded about getting stories down and sharing them, especially with our grandkids. What do you think would help me be more diligent about this? How can I overcome that fear that I'm going to look weak and vulnerable, either in person or in my writing? Uh, Kevin, I think this is something that all people go through. And I, I also think it is something that it is, it's magnified for men. I might be making a very general sweeping state, um, statement there. But I, I do think it is quite nerve-wracking for a man who knows his own identity to have, on one hand, a desire to share something, and on the other hand, a fear that it's going to make him crack. Um, we women, we crack all the time. <laughs> and, and men, uh, often when they're crackling, uh, they're, they're in a private place. Again, I'm being very general and I'm being very sweeping, but I'm, I'm wanting to enter this at a point of saying what you're going through is normal. It is normal to not want to be vulnerable. And at the same time, it is normal to have these beautiful stories that you want to share with others. I could, I could just sweep it under the rug and say, well, you got to practice. You know, you got to get used to this. You got to do it more and more. But what I really want to say to you, Kevin, is there's, there's this acceptance piece between you and you that I want you to think about. I, I want you to really start to see that you can accept that however you choose to share something is great. The people sitting around you are going to love it. If you're worried, I mean really deeply worried that being vulnerable is too much, try out the idea of uh, maybe letting someone else share a bit of the story first or maybe share a highlight of it and not the whole thing. Maybe share a little piece that touched you. But I, I think the deep work here is accepting that even if you find some tears, even if you feel a little shaky in the throat or wobbly in the knees or worried that your words aren't you know, going to be seen and understood based on the energy you're putting into it, you are reaching others simply because you spoke up and shared something. I can remember a situation where one of my beloveds told a story and the brother right away started teasing him and, you know, joking with him. But I knew, I knew that the brother was touched. I knew that the brother was trying to you know, create something so that the vulnerability wouldn't be shown in himself or in in my beloved speaking the story. This happens all the time. We are so protective of kind, bittersweet, lovely stories. But really, 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 the more we can accept that it's natural 
It's natural to feel tears. It's natural to shake in the throat. It's it's natural to knock in the knees and feel worried about it. Then if any of that comes up, what we know is we're just doing what we all do as storytellers. We're sharing them and we're feeling them. And so are the people listening. So, dear Kevin, please go out and share those stories. Sit down and write those stories. I promise you it's going to get easier and it's going to get better. Well, somehow we're at the second commercial time for this show. So I got to go, but I'm going to come right back so you don't go away. Stay tuned. Every person with a disability deserves equity in education, employment, and their community. Sherwood Community Services takes pride in serving all people with disabilities and their families since 1957, including in rural areas and non-native English-speaking communities. Sherwood provides service in Snohomish, Skagit, and Island Counties. Sherwood is open for referrals for telehealth and virtual support for children and adults with disabilities. To find out more, visit SherwoodCS.com. Sherwood, believing in abilities. Broaden your horizons. You'll be amazed at all the topics we cover on Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. I'm your host, Coach Debbie, and I just want to thank you for tuning in today and giving a little time to your story. When you listen here, I'm hopeful that you're getting more and more ideas around the stories that you want to write, that you're going deeper in the stories that you are writing, and that maybe you might even be motivated to join me on a retreat, join me for a workshop. Right now, I have something called Permission to Soar. Permission to Soar, and Soar stands for Surrender, to the opportunities to achieve radical results. (laughs) My friend Don helped me out with that. And what I want to tell you about this is that we're going to meet on Fridays to give you the permission over a 90-day period to create something that you're going to love. Some people are working on their books. Some people are working on a speech Some people are actually working on, and I strongly encourage this, the next chapter of their life. And what that means is they're thinking about some theme where they want to really make a transformation in this upcoming chapter of their life. For one woman, it is completely redesigning the way she lives in her home and reclaiming her environment. For another woman, it is taking a story from her own experience and creating a screenplay. For another, uh, this gentleman, it is taking all of his lessons in his art form that he knows and condensing them way, 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 way down so that he can create a 12-minute speech on a public stage. And there are so many things that you can create. 
I hope when you hear the word create, you feel a certain limitlessness about it. I have on my website right now, and it is summer, so it's a bit under construction, but Alexis, the wonderful Alexis, got this page up and running last night. So if you go over to CoachDebbie.com, and that's spelled D-E-B-B-Y, CoachDebbie.com, you'll see right right there on the home page a little mention of permission to soar. Click on it, and you'll see there's more information. I'm offering it right now for fifteen hundred. I have offered it in the past at the four thousand dollar level when I had built in one on one coaching with it. This time instead it's gonna be a weekly Friday class with me. It will also have a teaching portal with handouts and a place for discussion in between our classes. And it's really for that person that is willing to make some changes so that that piece of writing, that whatever it is, that creative thing you are making happens. We want it to happen. Today we have summer office hours right here. Our whole live show is dedicated to your questions. So let's get on. Here's a really good one. This comes in from Ashley. And the question is, how do I make my writing more interesting? I am in a 200-level college writing class right now. I wish you were teaching me. But what I got to get through right now is making my stuff more interesting. All right, Ashley, um, if you have time while I'm talking here, let me know if it's an elective or if it's a required class. And I'm going to do my best to answer this. When, when we feel like our writing is not interesting, one of the first places you can go to are the verbs. What is a verb? A verb is the action. A verb is a way that you bring action into the story. So one, and and let's try with the obvious. One action is run. If I am running, um, I am showing action. Isn't that true? Don't confuse action with something like sleeping. Even though that person is very still, within the sentence, John is sleeping, um, what, what you're seeing there is the action. Not driving, not walking, he's sleeping. The gerund there is sleeping. What people tend to do that makes their writing very uninteresting is they use these tiny little, we call them helping verbs, but let's just call them verbs right now. So they use words like put, right? That doesn't really show you anything. Uh, I put my purse on the counter. Yeah, that's not so exciting. That's not so interesting. But if you slide your purse across the counter, ah, 
Now it's more interesting. So would you rather be putting your purse on the counter or would you rather slide your purse across the counter? Would you rather rest your purse up against what is it you want to do? But it's that action. You can start with the action. And if you choose words that are are bringing to life images in the reader's mind, you are creating interest. If I put something there and I pick something here and I do something there and I try something here, it's not very interesting. But if I can help a reader envision what I'm up to, bring their eyes and their ears to the scene, maybe even bring texture in so it almost feels like they're, they're touching it or they're drinking it. Uh, I was walking by a juice bar and it was called something like the luscious lemon or something like this. And I was like, whoa, you know, I mean, right away, your taste buds get invigorated when you see these words. So think about how you can bring more action into your writing. I'm not kidding. There's a drone right outside the window hovering. It's the weirdest thing. All right. So I hope that is helpful, Ashley, to make something interesting. Think about the action going on in the piece of writing and what words do you want to do to the action? You might even have little tiny verbs like, I put this there, I tried this there. And when you come back to do the edits, you can go through and pick more active language, more colorful, moving language. So I hope that serves you. Here's another great question that came in yeah, 10 days ago, two weeks ago, it looks like. Two weeks ago. And I don't remember this person's name. The question is, is there something that I need to do if I want to tell a story that I experienced, but it was a long, long time ago and it involved real people in my life. They talk about protecting the innocent. How exactly do you do that? All right. When we talk about protecting the innocent, what we're saying there is that regardless of what occurred in the story, the innocent is the person that really lived the incident that has not been asked if they can be in this story. Still, you can write a story about real people and not ask them. How do you protect them? You change their name, for starters. You might even change where they're from. You work on changing their identity so that they're not 100% or 
in some cases, even 50% recognizable to the others. Why do we call this protecting the innocent? Because no matter what they did in real life, they are innocent to what you're up to as a writer. Are you following me there? They didn't make a choice to be in your book. You have to be very, very thoughtful of what you do with your book when you have real people in it. I'm going to just say this. A lot of people aren't. A lot of people just say exactly what happened, when it happened, first name, last name, date of birth, the whole thing. And you have to consider what kind of relationship do you have with that person and what kind of relationship do you even have with your own karma or your own lot on life because it can really hurt people when they didn't sign up to be in your book and all of this detail about them is exposed. If you ask me, it's a very unkind thing to do. Now, I can remember a book I once read where there was a real-life person that, again, didn't ask to be in the book and, and was honored over and over and over again. And we learned all kinds of information about this book. It, that person, of course, was not the main character, but we, we learned a lot. And, and in those ways, you can say and you can justify that you are, you are speaking of others in an honorary way. You are using them to inspire. You are showing who they are to complete a story. I do this all the time right here on my show. But honestly, it is, it is not my business to reveal the, the true and fullness of anyone's identity in any light that would be hurtful to them and that would in any way break their innocence. They are innocent when I am here sharing a story about someone real in my life. It is, it is not okay if, if you ask me and you are asking me, <laughs> it is not okay to just say anything I want. On the lowest level of that, um, the lowest bar of that, we call that gossip. But as you work your way up the bar, uh, you get into very, very damaging territory. So my dear, I'm sorry, I don't have your name written down. What you want to do when you are writing a memoir, is you want to think about how you are going to create identities based on the real identities, but not the full real identities. Unless, of course, you either have permission or, again, uh, for, for some reason, you believe that this absolutely will not cause any harm. It, it is important to make sure that we do not cause harm with our writing. So many books, so much gossip writing. Uh, 
has earned people a lot of money, but has it forwarded the lives of the people in it and the author for telling the story? You got to be thoughtful about this. That's why there are so many groups where when seeking help, you seek it under a certain form of anonymity because you are not there to scar others. You are there to grow yourself. So we need to be very, very thoughtful about that. If you ask me, and this question came to me, so you are. I hope this show has been helpful to you. This is our summer version of Office Hours. We've just been taking your questions as they came in over the last week or two, and even one that came in today, and we're just answering questions about your story. I'm going to do it again in the fall. I'd love to get your feedback. If you are listening to this show as a podcast, why don't you go ahead and leave me a little review. Tell me how it's working for you to listen in. I'll be back next Thursday, 4 o'clock Pacific time, and we offer an encore show in case you miss it on Fridays, 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Thank you for tuning in. Namaste, my friends. Mm-hmm.